You're listening to Reading Glasses and Professional Book Nerds, two book podcasts about books, book culture, literary life, and libraries designed to help you read better. This is a special holiday crossover tandem episode that we're doing. I'm author and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. And Adam, you want to introduce yourself? I was just going to say, do I get to do one of the yeah. things where I'm like, an I'm Adam Suckle, professional book nerd and pup dad. Yeah. <laughs> This episode is a special page-to-screen book club episode, the holiday edition. Uh, y'all asked for this during uh, our, our Maximum Fun Drive, and here we are, giving it to you. Very exciting. Um, we're talking today about some holiday reading, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and its greatest film adaptation, which we will definitely be discussing in detail, A Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> so before we talk about A Christmas Carol, uh, what is everybody reading? So I Who's starting. Oh, <laughs> I always start, Adam. That's the show. <laughs> I don't know where you fit in. We have to figure this out. We're gonna have to feel our way through. Um, gonna, we're gonna figure it out. I'm bossy, so I start. Um, <laughs> um, I so so I think I talked about this. Actually, it's so weird. I, talk about book worlds colliding. I'm also guesting on. Uh, Sword and Laser this month, and I t- already talked about this book on that, but I wanted to talk about it here in case people didn't catch it there, because everyone, so the the Glassers, uh, which we're going to put a pin in, because I actually have a question to want to know, I want to know what the professional book nerd listeners are called. You can think about it. You have a moment. They're just okay. the not professional book nerds. The, they're, they they're, just, le- they're leisure book nerds. Amateur nerds. <laughs> Could just be... Nerds, <laughs> which is which is cute. Um, anyway, the Glassers were like, Bria, we think something in your wheelhouse is magical realism food books. And I was like, but I haven't read that many of those, although I love that book, Sourdough, and there's some other books in that category that I like. So now I'm reading a few of them, trying to read them over break, although my break has not yet started, so hopefully it will start soon. Um, but I am reading Natalie Tan's book of Luck and Fortune by Roselle Lim. Does it have a duck on the cover? <laughs> That's what I thought you said. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm thinking of a totally different book. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's just like it's the words are written really big. I don't know. I'm reading it on e-reader, so it's hard for me to remember. But it's, as I remember, I mean, I'm looking at it now. No, it's just blue and it has words written really big. Um, but it does, I think it's going to have some duck in the book. Um, it's about um, uh, this woman whose mother, she's had this like, good relationship with her mother, but it's a little fraught because as she got older, she wanted to start a restaurant and her mother, who was agoraphobic, was like, I don't want you ever leaving the house. <laughs> all right, I, she was, she's fine. She didn't want to leave the house. She just didn't want her to like go off and do all these like things. So she went off and did them anyway and they had this falling out and then her mother dies and she comes back to Chinatown and she decides she's going to reopen the restaurant that her grandmother had and there's some magical realism stuff in there and there's actually recipes and all sorts of stuff. It's really great. Are they magic recipes? Uh, yeah, they are. They they <laughs> they are literally like like one thing she knows. She, I don't think this is giveaway too much, but she has to like do certain things to like reopen, to, to have like good luck in opening the restaurant. And and it, it's like helping the people in the neighborhood because this particular part of Chinatown hasn't been doing very well and she's going to help them through these magical recipes. So it is- You do a- love magical food. <laughs> well, I like to cook and I think it combines like, and I, I mean, this is really fun because it's, 
you know, food that I don't know that much about. So it's like talks about how to make dumplings and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking rad. Um, yeah, it's fantastic so far. I'm about halfway through. Uh, what are you reading, Adam? Oh, wow. Throwing <laughs> everybody for a loop. First off, if you haven't, Bria, you should read Gingerbread by Helen Oyemi. It's another magic food so one. So good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I am currently, re- I just started this morning as an audiobook. I'm the last human, I think, on earth to read Sadie by Courtney Summers. No, nope. oh, I've never um, read it. You're second to last. <laughs> we haven't read it either. <laughs> all, all right. Well, here we are. We're the group. Um, it is a, <clears throat> there's these two sisters, one's 19 and one's 13. And the 13 year old, spoiler alert for like the first page of the book, uh, is dead. And the 19 year old sister, Sadie, is going basically on like a revenge tour to, to figure out how her little sister died and, and get revenge for it. And um, it's interspersed with a like, a serial-like podcast that's kind of following the clues that she left behind. Hmm. I don't care for true crime podcasts, but I apparently like books that have true crime podcasts in them because Carol really was the <laughs> one that like, has one of these. Yeah. Um, but it's the, the audiobook's really, really interesting because they have like they have the podcaster and then they have Sadie and then they have like a whole cast of, of different people who get interviewed. So it's, it's very... Um, it's a very like interactive, fun uh, audiobook. So yeah, I really, really enjoying it. Um, and I thought I was the last person, but apparently I'm not. But yeah, Sadie by Courtney Summers is so far really, really good, as everyone else in the world apparently knows. And what are you reading, Mallory? I somehow am still trying to get through as many 2020 releases as I can. What is, what <laughs> because is going on? I am a lunatic and I am listening to the audiobook. I finally got it from the library of uh, What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat by Aubrey Gordon, mm. uh, which is a nonfiction book about fatness and fat activism. And it's really great to read this this time of year because during the holidays, there's a you, you see it rampant on social media, people who are like earning their calories and like, how to get through the holidays without gaining weight and just like a lot of shitty, you know, shamey food talk around around uh, Instagram and Twitter. And this this book is brilliant. It's really fantastic. It's such an amazing audiobook that talks about um, you know, the ways that we that the uh the world discriminates against fat people in public spaces, in healthcare, and uh, you know there's so much like legal weight discrimination, which is just shitty and awful. And it sort of takes it takes fat activism past the point of like, oh yay, body positivity, into like, no, let's fucking fix some shit. And here's all the things that are wrong. And it's really, really great. Um, again, it's a really great um, book to read this time of year, but also content warning. You know, there's a lot of, um, this talks about suicide statistics and, um, you know, it's, it's not a happy book to read, but it also, it it is a really, really important one. And, uh, I'm glad that I am frantically fitting into, fitting it into my, uh, my, uh, end of 2020 free fall, frantic new release reading. Uh, so that's what we don't talk about when we talk about fat by Aubrey Gordon. And mine was Natalie Tan's Book of Luck and Fortune by Roselle Lim and Adam. And mine was Sadie by Courtney Summers. Wow, Adam, you're fitting right in. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so thank you to all of our Max Fun subscribers who unlocked this reward and help, uh, helped us get through this dumpster fire of a year. Also, I mean, the professional book nerds, I feel like, like Adam said, our, uh, our, our listener ship is basically a circle at this point so thank you to all the folks who read read with us this year listened to the shows with us this year 
Uh, also, quick bookmark from from Reading Glasses. So this is actually the second page to screen book club we're recording, but this one's going to come out first. Uh, we did a, a, a re-recording of the one that we did with the KingCast folks uh, on Stephen King's The Raft and Creepshow 2, and that will be coming out in January. But this one actually was recorded second. But the first one is coming out. Um, it will be available for everybody. And you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on, on our show delivered to your inbox every month that Bria puts together and an extra recommendation from both of us you can sign up for our newsletter there's a link in the show notes and before we discuss the literary Christmas Carol we're going to take a quick break Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by StoryWorth for many of us this year the holidays are looking quite different and family and friend reunions are certainly not the same but that shouldn't stop us from feeling close that's why we think that the most meaningful gift that you can give this year is a chance to t- for your loved ones to tell their story and share memories using StoryWorth. bria what's story worth man story worth is great and um it's not too late i know it's christmas no. eve you can do this right now you can order story worth right now and it and and it will still make it there because nothing has to be delivered it's all done online because it's an online service that helps your loved ones share through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. And you can buy it now and it'll send to them. It'll be like, hey, I want to hear about your life and everything that's happened in your life. The things that you don't think to maybe ask your family, it's not often you're sitting around the dinner table and you're like, tell me the most uh, uh, important thing that ever happened to you. Um, like, but it's, it's thoughtful, cool questions. They'll be sent to your family. And then what happens? So the, your story worth sends those questions to your family member through email every single week awesome story prompts and then after a year what StoryWorth does is they compile all your family member stories including photos that you choose into a beautiful keepsake book that is shipped for free it is going to be a cherished family item for generations and it's the books are absolutely gorgeous. They make great gifts. And like Bria said, if you're listening to this on Christmas Eve and there's somebody you forgot to get a gift for and you know uh, clearly there is no time not even to ship something but to go out and buy it, StoryWorth is a gift that you can give someone that is thoughtful, beautiful, absolutely unique, and you don't have to wrap it. You can get into their inbox quickly. It's a gift that keeps giving all year and it'll make you feel closer to a parent, a sibling, a cousin, an aunt. It is even a friend, a friend of your of one of your parents that they haven't seen in a long time. It's such a wonderful, thoughtful gift. Uh, this year we got one for my boyfriend's mom and she's been having such a blast answering the questions. We're so excited to get her book next year and see all the answers to, to the prompts that she gave. Yeah, it's so nice. I have this, I have a book of uh, my mom's because I gave it to her and it, it's so awesome to have this book. And I mean, it's been a weird year and you probably haven't got to see the people in your life as much as you want to and you and we I think we've realized how quickly uh life goes and how quickly we're we're not gonna be able to see these people all the time and this is a way to get to connect with them to get to hear from them and and through through the next few months the next year it's still gonna be like this for a while (laughs) this is a great way to keep connecting with your family so you can give your loved ones the gift of spending time together wherever you live with StoryWorth. You can get started right away. No shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash glasses and you'll get $10 off your first first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash glasses for $10 off. It is such a thoughtful, unique, 
easy gift to get that's so quick to get to uh, a family member. It's the perfect last minute gift for somebody that actually will be really meaningful and uh, will will get to give back to you for the next year. So that's storyworth.com slash glasses for $10 off your first purchase. Glasses. Glasses. Hi, I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we host After Game Show, a podcast where listeners submit games and we play them regardless of quality with a dozen listeners from around the world. We've had folks call in from as far as Sweden, South Africa, and the Philippines. Here's an example. This is a game we call Zooey Deschanel, where you turn a celebrity's name into an animal pun. You have an example, Manolo? Brad Gorilla Pit. Oh, that's a pun on Gorilla Pits? Yep. I don't know. If that's, that's Brad Pitt. Oh, okay. That's a high quality game that you yeah. could expect. Dr. Game Show has new episodes every other Wednesday on Maximum Fun. Check us out, please. This week, happy holidays, everyone. We are talking about Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol and how good of a film adaptation Muppet Christmas Carol is. <laughs> so, Adam, I know that you have a holiday tradition of always reading A Christmas Carol. Do you have any other Christmas reading traditions? Uh, yeah. So the other thing that I always read is Hidden Sea or Hide and Sea, which the amount of times I've read it, you would think I would know how to actually pronounce it. But it's by Gregory Maguire, who wrote Wicked and all of those books. And it is a retelling, not a retelling, kind of like an origin story of Drosselmeyer, the guy who created the Nutcracker in the very famous uh, ballet, The Nutcracker. So, and I, I have to thank you for talking about this on uh, the last the um, professional book nerds episode I recorded with you because my boyfriend's mom was obsessed with Nutcrackers, and I bought this for her for Christmas. It's so, so good. Also, I somebody reached out who listens to both of us and was like, oh, it's like one of the two books that Mallory and Adam talked about that weren't horror. That wasn't <laughs> even- <laughs> but um, yeah, so we, I, I, I do that every single year. And then this year, because I've just, in an effort to do some sort of normal thing, I guess all of our family is going to Zoom read uh, the night before Christmas with um, our little nieces and nephews. Oh, and that's the- so cute adorable so yeah and because i can see the google doc bria how about you <laughs> adam you're a natural seeing, thank you thank you seeing how the vegan sausage is made um i <laughs> i mine i don't have any book related ones mine are all um movie related i watched something christmasy on thanksgiving i also always watch the dog show on Thanksgiving that the, the which is, you know, you know, the, the, it's not, it's not the Westminster. I can't remember. I can't remember what it is. You can just, it just comes on every year on Thanksgiving, but that's not Christmas. Uh, <laughs> um, and Brian just wanted to talk about dogs. Yeah. Uh, I, listen, I'm here for it. <laughs> I can't remember who won this year, but I, I, it got spoiled for me because it doesn't air till like later here. And then I saw a spoiler and I was like, rude spoiler. If who won this Wait, year's Wait, hold on. Does show? that mean that the only thing that you're cool, you're not cool about spoilers with is no, dog I didn't really shows. Care. I didn't really care. Uh, <laughs> it's not really a big deal. Um, like that's the one thing I hold on to. Um, but usually <laughs> um, on Christmas, we all, my family goes to see a movie. Uh, my stepdad 
only uh, goes to see one movie a year, and that is on Christmas Day. Uh, one That's movie adorable. in the theater a year. Um, but maybe this year we're going to do Teleparty. We're trying to figure that out. I don't really know. Um, and then we also, in the past few years, we go eat at a Jewish deli on Christmas Day because I used to cook on Christmas, and then at some point I decided— no, that's not a present for me. <laughs> Restaurants are open, and they can do it for me. I live in Los Angeles. There's plenty of places open on Christmas Day, uh, and I can go and give them a nice tip and not have to cook. So those are my Christmas traditions. Uh, Mallory, do you have any? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I I've talked on the show before about how I read every year. I read one of reread one of the books of the Historic Material trilogy mm-hmm. um, right around Christmas time. So it's funny because to me they feel like Christmas books because of that. But <laughs> well, they are. They are like, not. Well, the first one's snowy, right? I mean, it's very snowy. there's like there's like cold weather things, but I guess like nothing says Christmas to me like trying to kill God. Um, <laughs> but I realize that as we're we you know we read a Christmas Carol for this um for this episode, and I think it's the first holiday book I've ever read that isn't a Halloween book. I've it's might be the first Christmas book I've ever read in my life. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Reading Glasses Challenge 2022 we'll have a read holiday book on it. Ooh, I like that. Um, I like it. Because there are many a holiday book. There's Valentine's Day books and um, I don't know. What are holidays that aren't Halloween? St. Patrick's uh, Day? Hanukkah? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I know they exist. I know there's many a holiday themed romance novel, uh, but I was it was sure. kind of excited because I sat down to read Christmas Carol. I was like, holy shit, this is the first Christmas book mm. I've ever read. And speaking of, so Adam, you reread it every year. Do you just, you know, do it for the enjoyment out of it? Do you get something new out of it every year? Yeah, so I read A Christmas Carol every year because at my core, I'm like a 79-year-old, like, man, I <laughs> always have been. I was born a an old man with a cardigan and flannel <laughs> pants. Um, and so I have actually, I'm a giant, I, I, I've always loved Dickens, which again, like, to no, even in your mid-30s, human beings should do that, which I am now. But yeah, I read it, I reread it every year. I've been doing it since um, college. And I I don't know. I don't normally think I get something out of it every single year specifically. I just like the kind of, I'm a very nostalgic human being, like to the point of unhealthy. I actually wrote an essay like this past week about how nostalgia is super unhealthy for me. And like my parents read it and were like, you should, Christmas is great. Adam, don't be sad. And I'm like, yeah. It is what it is. But, um, this year, we're all allowed to be as sad as we yeah, fucking want to be. <laughs> yeah, every day in 2020 is sad, Mom. It's not, it's not your fault. Um, <laughs> so the one thing that like jumped out this year, because I think I was paying more attention so that I had something fun to talk about with you guys, is um, ignorance and want. Like the two little kids that are under the ghosts of Christmas presents, like robes, mm-hmm. they just kind of like poke their tiny little creepy ass heads out and they're, they're just there. And I was, I've been thinking a lot about it just because like, all the commercialism and stuff that we see in Christmas now, like that was no, that was not at all anything to do with the way that Christmas was celebrated back then. In fact, like when this came out, Christmas really wasn't celebrated at all. And I just think it's like the the weird like on the nose ness that Dickens wrote about ignorance and want. And it's like, wow, were you writing that for modern day Christmas? And hmm. um, so everyone, I actually joked with somebody like everyone's always like, oh, there's the three ghosts. But there's really, there's like six ghosts because there's Marley and then there's these two little monsters and then there's the three ghosts we all know. Spooky Christmas. Yeah. Ghost stories should always be, I mean, again, I like Mallory and I are very spooky in in the same way together. But 
Um, yeah, all Christmas should be a little bit scarier. There should Agreed. be some I would read more, more Christmas books if there were more ghosts in them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there yeah. is something I mean, scary but- about a man coming down your chimney at night and 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 leaving th- and knowing things about you, whether you're good or bad. I mean, Christmas oh my god, I saw the funniest spooky. tweet that was like, "Santa Claus is going to be a super spreader." <laughs> it's so more, <laughs> it's so morbid, but it is like, it is really creepy to think about. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I. I got yeah. For me, I, that was like the main thing. I don't usually get anything. I just like I said, it's it's usually the nostalgia, but the ignorance and want thing stuck out with me. Hmm. Hey, hey, Bria, how about you? Oh, uh, <laughs> thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> I had never read um, read this before. Um, I don't know what I was. I thought it was going to be, but it was what I thought it was going to be. I think because I've seen so many iterations of it, right? And then, I mean, maybe I read it when I was like a kid or something. I'm not sure. Uh, but it was like, oh yeah, here they are. There's ghosts. There's Tiny Tim. There's uh, a lot of things. I, I, you know, the things I, I expected. And Scrooge is there. And um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot though. And I will say, like, I think the thing that. So actually, I listened to it. Um, I texted Mallory because I uh, a podcast I subscribed to called Happier, which I think we talk about it on the show quite a bit. Happier with um, Gretchen Rubin. Uh, she t- took two episodes and did a bonus, and she read it. And so I listened to her do it, and I it's, it was interesting because I'm, like, familiar with her voice, and uh, it was just interesting, and she she did a good job. I thought it was really, it was it was good the way she did it, and it was it was cool to hear her do it, and she, it's a story that means a lot to her, and she talked about why, why it meant a lot to her. Um, but the one thing I didn't, I guess I wasn't prepared for, but should have, I haven't read Dickens since, like, maybe high school, I think, and the language was really great. Like the prose themselves were great. It was really like flowery and like well-written, which of course, because it's fucking Dickens, but like, I just don't ever read that kind of shit. So I was like, oh, what beautiful language you have. Um, And, and it was not boring. I think I kind of expected it to be a little dull or something, but it wasn't. It's a, it's a ghost a minute, you know, like there's a lot of shit happening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mallory, so this is your first time reading it? Yes, yeah. although, please, I think, can somebody release a version of The Christmas Carol with a blurb from Bria Grant that says, A ghost a minute! <laughs> a ghost a minute. minute! You won't be disappointed. It's a thrill ride. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, so I, I have actually, weirdly enough, never read any Dickens before. So this is my first Dickens. This is my first Christmas story. My boyfriend was super excited because he loves Dickens and he loves this, uh, this story. And we have like a really nice <laughs> That checks out, cover, by like, the way. That checks out for what? me that he does. <laughs> oh, for sure. He kind of looks I mean, like you're, he looks like, wow, you, we can take this out of the podcast. But I was going to say, he looks like he could belong in that era. Like, oh like, no, for like, sure. That is a hundred percent with my, what my boyfriend looks he like. He makes and matches plaid. Yeah. yeah my boyfriend looks like plaid. It, he would wear like suspenders and like glasses and he's, he's yes. basically. My boyfriend looks like Giles from Buffy. Like that's a hundred percent what he dresses like all the time. Um, but I, I really loved it. Um, and like Bria was saying, the the language, it really feels like something, and I was kind of doing some research about it, because see, Charles Dickens would actually read this out loud, and it feels like a story that's meant to be read aloud. Mm. There's a lot of, just in the sentence structure and the way um, the way he wrote it just felt like it begged to be, you know, re- read to an audience, which was really interesting. Um and I was also sort of surprised about how secular it was, mm-hmm. uh, especially it, it's interesting for us now, you know, Christmas is sp- like branched off into like two bizarre directions in, in, in America. It's like hyper commercialized capitalist, like, uh, like crazy uh, money fest. And also like the other 
part of the world, uh, other part of the country, which is like, we got to keep the Christ in Christmas. Christmas has to be super, super religious. And I, so I was so surprised reading this cra- classic Christmas tale that is ostensibly dealing with the afterlife, but mm-hmm. doesn't actually talk about Christianity or God or hell or heaven or anything like he's talking to ghosts and they're talking about the afterlife and where he's going to go after he and where Scrooge is going to go after he dies. But there there really isn't that much talk about religion or God, which super shocked me. There's like one moment where uh, in the ghost of Christmas present um, where poor tiny Tim has to be like inspiration porn for the able-bodied people in the church (laughs) and talking about how great it is for him to, you know, remind people for the reason for the season about Jesus and stuff. But that's like the one moment. And I was very, very surprised about that. You know, this, uh, I, I feel like in the hands of a different author, this story would have had a lot to do with heaven and hell and sins and everything. And they, they mention it, but in such a secular way. So I was sort of pleasantly surprised by that. Also, I, I, I was texting both of you, uh, about the food. There were so many like oh. things that I, I, I almost wish that I e-read this because there were a bunch of like, um, terms for food and drinks and stuff that we just don't use anymore. Mm-hmm. Or like the type of the, the things that, like I, I texted you both a photo of the disgusting pudding as it would have oh, been upsetting. in the show. Because to me, pudding is like a, a, gelat- a, a gelatin-like semi-liquid dessert right, no, that yeah. probably comes in a can or comes in a, a, a plastic cup and is flavored, uh, uh, you know, chocolate or vanilla or maybe tapioca. Pudding was a completely different thing back then. So um, I uh, that's the one thing I was like, I kind of wish I eat it. It doesn't come in like, cups. Like, at that point, it comes in mounds. In mounds no, it comes in a pudding. S- <laughs> <laughs> it comes in a big cannonball with holly stuck in the top. So I, 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 that actually was really helpful for me to look things up and kind of like, because it changes how you look at the story and how, because as she was talking about like, you know, getting the pudding and how she was worried about it, I was like, why are you, wor- what, what's wrong mm-hmm. with your pudding? Like, uh, and I, but I think that that's something that uh, is tough with reading classics from this era is they're like, you know, bits of clothing and, um, mm-hmm. you know, just like little things that we, that don't, that are not used anymore or take on different meanings, which I think is a little tough reading yeah, the, older, older books. The other one you brought up was the lumber room. Did you say that? There yes. was like a lumber room? Yes, which in I the don't beginning know that... when Scrooge is like, he has just seen the knocker change into the face of Marley um, and he's like going to check his like shitty, dark, cold house for ghosts and he's like, all right, cool, check the other bedroom, check the lumber room and I was like, what does that mean? Just a room for wood. <laughs> <laughs> Something where really he keeps all his two by fours in. Like what? And yeah, now we call it. Now it's like know. a computer room, but now used to it's a lumber room. <laughs> so how, I don't know how much like history and nerddom you guys want about this because I yeah, can. All of like, it. I can. Okay, I can hop on a soapbox for like a like a little three minute diatribe. You have First, a lumber soapbox. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, exactly. It's a lumber soapbox okay. that I'm then I'll stand up on. Um, the lumber room, I believe, is a room that these like uber rich people in this like Victorian time, they would just put all of their extra, they had so much nice furniture that they just couldn't put all that shit in their regular rooms. So they would just like store it in their lumber room where they'd have all these like huge, those like giant, like wooden, um, like chairs and stuff that you, that no one would want to sit in, but they were, Arm-wise. you know, ornately carved and they just didn't want to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, I also, like, I think I know the answer, Mallory, as to why there wasn't that much, like, 
Christianity type stuff if you are interested. Yes, yeah. of course. I still am deep in the midst of my Bible read for our episode that comes yeah. out next month and give me all the information. Yeah. Although I was extremely excited because there are some Bible references in this story that mm. I got. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, for people who might not know this, like Christmas wasn't really celebrated anymore at this point in time. Um as like a holiday, like it wasn't really a big deal in England when Dickens wrote this story. Uh, it it kind of like, it used to be celebrated as like a pagan holiday and then that kind of fell out because the Puritans came along and were like, no, no fun here, no fun to be had. Um, and so the only reason that Dickens wanted to write this type of story was because he grew up in one of these like small rural areas where they still celebrated these pagan holidays. Um, and like the concept of a white Christmas also didn't exist. He just happened to around December 25th when he was a kid, it snowed every single year. So in his mind, Christmas was a white Christmas. And so like he went to his publisher and was like, I'm going to write this ghost story around Christmas. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? No one cares about this. And so he wrote it himself and he like self basically almost like self published it, and he made it as inexpensive as possible, so as many people could read. Like he barely made any money on it the first year, but it was so wildly successful that like it's not hyperbole to say that, like Dickens brought back not only Christmas but like kind of invented the way that we celebrate it today. Like this story, like even if people don't really enjoy it, like it the concept of caring about other people on Christmas and like charity and you know, like having like a white Christmas and like celebrating around, uh, you know, a, a hearth and a fire and all that stuff. Like he brought that back because no one gave a shit about it hmm. when he actually wrote this. Wow. That's so, it's always so interesting to me to see how real life is like in constant conversation with art. It's like how rabbits don't actually eat carrots, but Bugs Bunny was based off of John Wayne who ate carrots all the time. So we mm-hmm. now assume that rabbits love carrots, even though it's not a real thing. It's so, that is so, well, thank you, Charles Dickens for the cool tree that I have in my house. Yeah. That actually, that came over from Germany. Like they, they didn't do that. And like somebody, like there were people coming over. um, I think it was like a a prince or someone in England married a German, like high up fancy, fancy lad or fancy gal. And they brought over their tradition of bringing trees inside and putting candles on them. And so he was like, oh shit, I should put this in my story. Like, yeah, everything just kind of, is so happenstance. It, it's pretty wild that the reason we take the trees from outside and bring them in for no apparent mm-hmm. reason. <laughs> Just that shows how traditions so change so much also. Like that we think this is like something that's been around forever, but like, no, this is this is something that wasn't popular for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's interesting too, because in the in the story, they're referring to it as if it's been a, a, a tradition for a long time. Mm-hmm. The ghosts are always like, we've been doing this for almost 1900 years. And it's like, yeah. no, you fucking haven't. <laughs> this is the first year this is happening. <laughs> Listen, he's got a bad memory. He just might not have remembered. It's true. God, that is. That's so, yeah, it was it was really fun to read this. I think, Bria, you had a really good point is because it's so, there's been so many adaptations of it and it, it's so bled into our culture now that even, you know, even without reading it, it's one of those classic stories that you almost feel like you don't have to read because you know how it's going to go and you know, I mean, it, it is a short story. For some reason, I didn't realize it was so short. I thought it was like a full-length novel. It's My my Reader's Digest version was like 106 pages with illustrations, so it's like about novella length. Yeah. I just thought it was going to be a honker. I don't I, Maybe for me, Charles Dickens, in my mind, always his books are always huge, yeah. but I don't think that 
that's, I, I guess, just because it's like synonymous with like big old tomes. But I was really kind of pleasantly surprised with how short it was. What's interesting, I mean, I, I think, and it makes sense that this would stay around in culture because it he literally sort of like follows the hero's journey. Like everything is exactly the way stories are, are, are told. There's three ghosts, which is, you know, three is an important number in all storytelling. Like all of the things, like it makes sense that this has permeated and made its way into our culture because it all like fits with what we know, which is why we don't talk about the other two ghosts, Adam. <laughs> Those other two ghosts don't fit into the three story, the, the three <laughs> uh, problems, like, you know, which is a, which is normally how like a story like this would be structured. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I, I, that was my fault for bringing up the other <laughs> two ghosts. You are inconvenient. <laughs> those are in, those. Yeah, those were inconvenient ghosts. Yeah, no, no. I always, I, I always think about like if this was published today between like the ghosts and the fantasy, like the fantasy part, and, like the basically like Mallory, like you said that it's a novella length. Like this is like a Tor.com book if it came out yeah. now. Yeah, I was actually just gonna say I would love to. I don't know off the top of my head any interesting Christmas Carol retellings, but I would love them. Like right now um, I'm also reading um, Midnight Library by Matt Haig, mm-hmm. which is very, very much, it's a wonderful life uh, in book form. So if folks have fantasy or sci-fi related Christmas Carol uh, literary uh, retellings, please send them because I am interested. So one, I will say it's not a retelling. It's very much, it's almost like fan fiction, but it's, it's a, it's a published book. that's fantastic. And, and fan fiction is also fantastic, but like it, um, it's called the, the Last of the Spirits by Chris Priestley. Hmm. And oh, the guy who wrote the our, uh, the Prestige? I think so. And not to throw off our numbers, but it is an entire book <laughs> about ignorance and want. I can't get off these two little <laughs> creepy children. Yeah, you know what? I will say with the two creepy children, that was the part that really surprised me because obviously it's not in most adaptations and also kind of takes you out of what's happening. It really like throws water mm-hmm. on the whole like... Uh, ghost of Christmas present party because he's like, oh, we're having fun. We're 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 checking like he's like like the jolliest ghost, and he's like, surprise! Let's talk about want and ignorance. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, right before I read it, um, and before we watched Muppet Christmas Carol, two um, goblins my- showed up at your house named Ignorance and Want. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are my two cats that are always hungry. Oh, that's um, a good idea. It, we, uh, my boyfriend is obsessed with this one-man show adaptation of Christmas Carol, and um, normally he goes to see it in person at the Geffen Playhouse here in L.A., but obviously that's not happening this year, so they filmed it. This is the link I sent both of you, and it was like truly the most extraordinary piece of theater I've ever seen in my life. Um, but they include... He, in his one man show, there's a part where uh, these like shadow children come out, hmm. and they they include that part. So I actually was expecting it when I was reading it, um, and it is the same thing in the show. It, um, like these like two little shadowy figures come out, and I was like, "Wow, I don't remember this in any of the other adaptations. This is sort of weird. Is this just a part of this one man show?" And then I read it, and I was like, "Oh no, they're the two creepy kids." Hmm. Uh, so before we talk about. The greatest adaptation of Christmas Carol, Muppet Christmas Carol. We're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Fortunato Chocolate. A little bit of chocolate in my life. (laughs) A little Fortunato by my side. A little bit of sugar is all I need. (laughs) Because it's called Fortunato number four. You know, like Mambo number five. This is... The funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Remember that song? (laughs) 
So, Bria, tell us what Fortunato number four. You're never is. gonna forget it now. You'll remember that it goes with that song. Um, hey, we love this chocolate. We're so excited to have a chocolate sponsor. Uh, the Glassers are loving this chocolate. It's Fortunato number four. Since 2008, Fortunato number four chocolate has been prized by top chocolatiers pastry chefs, and podcast listeners in Michelin-starred <laughs> restaurants. <laughs> so what's cool about Fortunato Chocolate, besides the fact that me, Bria, and Sean absolutely love it, and we devoured devoured the bars that we got and have since ordered more, is it's made from rare, organically grown heirloom cacao from the jungles of northern Peru that's never been ma- available to the general public until now. And it's made by a family company that has direct relationships with over 400 farmers and a socially conscious business model that helps farm families families earn more. Also, don't forget when you order it, it comes in giant bars. The pound, it's a 1.1 pound bar and it has minimal packaging so it keeps it affordable and there's less waste. But man, you order this bar, it shows up. It is a weight. I put a whole, I did put the whole thing in my backpack at one point to go to the, the park. I thought you were going to say I put the whole thing in my mouth. Oh, no, you <laughs> cannot put the whole thing in your mouth. It's too big. Uh, <laughs> I put it in my backpack and I was like, my backpack weighs one pound more and I can actually tell because there's so much chocolate in this chocolate. So it's available in 36% milk, 47% dark, and 68% dark, which we can all attest are all delicious. It's also a really great present. We realize this is the day before Christmas, but if, you know, you can tell people you got it for them, it's going to arrive late. But it's a great present for people because it's a giant thing of chocolate. They're going to be thinking about you for <laughs> for a much longer. It, take, it takes me a while. You all know how much chocolate I eat. It took me a long time to get through these bars. Did I already get through one full thing? Yes, I did. Am I halfway through the other one that I bought? Yes, I am. But it takes a long time. It's a great gift. (laughs) It's also a great gift for yourself. You know, we've all had a really tough 2020. And if you are still last week of the year, you're looking for something, a little present for yourself. Maybe you wanted to get yourself something for Christmas or get yourself something to to celebrate getting through 2020. What is better than a 1.1 pound bar of absolutely delicious chocolate that you can feel good about buying because of the socially conscious business model that helps farm families? It's absolutely awesome. Go to podcastchocolate.com slash glasses which is the three most important words that you can say. It's very easy to remember. Podcastchocolate.com slash glasses to check it out now. That's podcastchocolate.com slash glasses. 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 Hi. Are you someone who thinks that when one door closes, another one opens? Someone who always sees the light at the end of the tunnel. If you answered yes to one or both of these questions, good for you. We are not those people. Nope. I'm Annabelle Gerwich, and I'm a, you know that other door opening? It probably leads to a broom closet kind of person. And I'm Laura House. When I see a light at the end of a tunnel, I assume it's a train headed right toward me. Laura and I have created a brand new podcast for people like us. It's called Tiny Victories. We're sharing personal tiny victories or things we've read or seen that inspire resilience. So if you're looking for a tiny reason to get out of bed each week, subscribe to Tiny Victories. Available on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get tiny. Okay, we're back. So for the adaptation of A Christmas Carol, we unanimously chose Muppet Christmas Carol. There was not even a debate. Say, we, I was not even asked. This was just, I was just told this is what we were doing. Um, so I don't, you got, you're like, we obviously chose this and I had, I had no say, but it, no, I it asked was fine. you, I asked it you in fine. an email. <laughs> 
You know, I don't answer anything. Oh, weird. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but it's very I think, funny. If I don't want Bria to answer something, I'll just email it. That is exactly what happens. Because <laughs> I was like, are you cool with Christmas Carol? And you didn't respond. So I just think that is a yes. <laughs> but well, I think Adam and I were talking about how much we love Muppet Christmas Carol. And yeah. I think that was sort of in my mind. Because they're really, why, why would you watch anything else? Like, there, so to good. me, it is the, 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 the pinnacle of... Um, of Christmas Carol adaptations. And last night, uh, the night before, night before we were recording, we're recording this morning, we got to watch it on a teleparty with some awesome reading glasses and professional book nerds listeners, which was really fun. Uh, so obviously we all love this adaptation. Uh, but first, are there any other adaptations of the story you like, Adam? Are there other um, Christmas Carol movies that you, obviously you don't love them as much, but uh, maybe yeah, love them a lot? Yeah, um, the one I will say, and it actually came out a, a few years ago, is The Man Who Invented Christmas. Um, it stars Dan Stevens as Charles Dickens, which is a bit upsetting because he doesn't sing, which he should, and everything that he does. But um, it's really, it's interesting because it tells the story of Charles Dickens writing A Christmas Carol. Um, but like the way, I guess the way that Charles Dickens thought about his characters when he would write is he would think of them as like actual human beings in his brain that were like tugging at him to get back to work all the time. So they do this like interstitial thing of him, or like this interspersed thing rather of him trying to explain to everyone what a Christmas Carol is going to be as a book and then not getting the concept. And then like, he's just being followed around by this guy who's clearly going to be Scrooge. And it just, it goes into a really, it, it like tells the story of a Christmas Carol while also telling the story of how a Christmas Carol got created. Um, so it's really, really good. So that's, uh, the, uh, the Man Who Invented Christmas. Um, like I said, it came out a few years ago, but I, I highly recommend it. Hmm. Uh, what about you, Bria? Do you have any other favorite uh, Christmas Carol adaptations? Uh, well, the one I can think of that I liked a lot as a kid was the one with Scrooge McDuck. Which, yeah. is he <laughs> named for Ebenezer Scrooge? <laughs> like He must be, because Scrooge, I feel like, wasn't synonymous with being miserly until Christmas Carol came it's out. It's not a I common feel for name. All the other... It's not like you have like a friend named Scrooge growing up. You never know. Back in Victorian England, Scrooge might have been. Yeah, but a Scrooge McDuck came around in like the eighties. So like it's not like they had to name him in the eighties. Oh. It wasn't like there was some children in my class oh. named Scrooge. <laughs> Guys, just to clarify, just to remind you, Scrooge is his last name. His name is Ebenezer. <laughs> Which is, of course, uh, also a name yeah, that has no, never been used I mean, again. Scrooge McDuck, his last name is McDuck. <laughs> <laughs> his last name oh, yeah. is McDuck. His first name is Scrooge. Oh, my God. All of the ducks have a uh, Mick in there because there's Launchpad McQuack too. Yeah. They're just all Mick. Mick. They're all, Which is weird. Are they like Irish ducks? Yeah, yeah. Some of them have accents. I, yeah, I, because there's a Scottish one, Glomgold. I, I know a lot about the. I, the I, I went down a deep dive of uh, of them one time when I was in line at Disney World. Uh, so I looked up a lot <laughs> of the ducks and the McDuck family because then they have different names. Anyway, whatever. This is not important. So that's one. There was one in the '80s. I don't remember it that well, but I remember liking it as a kid. And then also on Thanksgiving, when I usually, which is when I like to watch a Christmas movie, uh, I watched. We watched Scrooged. Scrooged. Yes. Um, <laughs> Scrooged McDuck. Um, and uh, it's not, it's definitely an adaptation, like, inspired by the original story. It it doesn't have all the same beats at all, but it's very funny. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I was like, oh, this movie holds up as, like, a funny kind of movie. Uh, I don't know. Bobcat Goldthwait plays the sort of uh, Bob Cratchit-ish character. It's, it's very good. 
Yeah, I actually, I, I like that movie. That was the only other one I could think of. I don't, I'm not wicked big on Christmas movies. I have like four Christmas movies that I watch every year and my boyfriend's been getting, when I've been driving him nuts because he's like, well, what do you, do you want to watch that? I was like, no, not really. I just, I just want to watch these four that I watch every year and then that's about it. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to branch out at all. Uh, I just don't really get into to Christmas stuff, but I do like Scrooge, probably not enough to watch every year. No. Um but obviously, Christmas, Muppet Christmas Carol is one of those four perfect Christmas movies that that's all you really need. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all love it, obviously. But what do we? Th- what, it, it was really interesting for me to watch Christmas Carol this year, like I do every year. But looking at it as a literary adaptation, Adam, what do you? Th- how do you? How does this stack up as a literary adaptation for you? Well, first off, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, they do like. When people think, oh, Muppets, I like one of the things that I've always really enjoyed about the way that uh, the Muppets do things. And I should say, like, two of my very big level of expertise is not just a Christmas Carol, but I am like, I've seen every Muppets thing ever. I actually have a Muppet in my at my desk that is Adam actually is a Muppet. (laughs) I am a Muppet. So I'm a Muppet, Waka Waka. And (laughs) no, but I they, one thing that I love about the Muppets is when they do stuff like this, they stay shockingly close to the source material. Like, there's, there's a few small things that this was, even though I've been reading A Christmas Carol forever, I've watched A Muppet Christmas Carol since it came out in like the early 90s because I was like a, a wee lad at that point. And I, so it was, this was my introduction to A Christmas Carol. And so there's a few things that they do that you just don't really realize. And I think someone might have said it even during our like our telewatch last night where I always thought that. Jacob Marley was Jacob and Robert Marley. And so Which when I read it- incredible like, to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just like, holy shit, there's only one of them? And then I was like, oh yeah, because that makes that makes perfect sense because they were just trying to make sure they got all of the biggest Muppets in there. But um, no, I think it's, it's like shockingly close and it's, I, I the, it, it goes very, very quickly. And then it also helps that it has like one of the best scores, like soundtracks of any movie ever, oh even God. like- outside of Christmas movies. It's just like a perfect soundtrack and Michael Caine is just like eating up all all of the scenery. He just is having the most fun. I love it. I, I love it. What about you, Bria? Yeah, I I very much enjoyed it. Enjoyed our watch. Um, it hadn't been a while since I watched it. I, I always like hesitate to be like, it's so good because I'm like, is this nostalgia speaking or is this actually a good movie? But it does hold up in like so many ways and it's so, it's done really, technically it's done really well. I also love these kind of movies that are supposed to look outdoors, but they're done on stages that I, that look, it makes them look magical. Like that's just something I'm a sucker for. Um, and they used all the characters, which we were all talking last night uh, on the teleparty. We're like, oh, yeah, you get to see Rolf for just, like, a hot minute. You get to see the band for, like, you know, like, all of the characters come come in. And then the ghosts are amazing. Um, and I can't remember, Adam, was it you that said this? Like, the first ghost. Um, uh, so creepy. Who, they're all, Such well, they're all kind of creepy in their own ways. But the first ghost, you know, who looks like a cross between, I think, oh, the thing we decided it was uh, a cross between the child. The childlike empress the from child- Neverending <laughs> Story. Yeah. And a gelfling. And a gelfling. And, but they apparently shot her in oil, is what someone said, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. was, which made her look amazing. Like, they take the time. This is, like, the brilliant thing about Henson is they just take 
they took the time to like make it cool. Like they think about everything. Everything's done cool. Like there's just like, there's a moment where like Rizzo falls and he has to like, like it's like just his butt stuck in the snow. And I was like, right, that took so long to figure out how to do, but it like looks amazing. And it, it just keeps moving really fast because it's for kids. So it's just like super well done. Um, Mallory, what about you? Yeah, actually, the the kids thing I think is really interesting because when you think about it, this is a dark fucking tale, you know, and there's a lot of things in there that I didn't even realize had been left out of the story in in service of it, of the pace keeping going a bit and um, making it not so dark. Also, something that I realized that is in every, almost every film adaptation of, um, of A Christmas Carol, but isn't in the book is that there's no flying. There's no flying in the book. Yeah, that's Nobody flies. Huh. But they, every single adaptation has the ghost of Christmas past fl- bringing him and flying over the city, which I think is interesting. But I think Muppet Christmas Carol, besides the fact that, I mean, the cast of the Muppets is absolutely perfect for this. There's like one of the most delightful things as you're watching it is seeing, oh my God, like th- these these two Muppets are perfect for these two characters. Like my favorite Muppets are Bunsen and Beaker mm-hmm. and they're perfect for the two charity men that are trying to raise money. Sam the Eagle is perfect as the as the headmaster. Like every 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 Muppet, like Fozzie Wig. I mean, it's just so it's so you're like wow, this is like meant to be adapted to, to a Christmas Carol. Yeah, and um, but it, they re- really did a good job of taking a dark story and adapting it so it is. Uh, palatable for kids, but also still really enjoyable. Like one of the things that I'm actually really disappointed that doesn't make it into most adaptations, and I understand why they took it out of this because it's dark as fuck, is at the end with the Ghost of Christmas um, feature, one of the things in the story that he shows Scrooge is these two, this young couple who is rejoicing over Scrooge's death Mm -hmm. because they, you know, that he's either their landlord or they owe money to him somehow. And just the, the image of these two people who are rejoicing over his death because now they're out of debt is so powerful and really, uh, I think is one of the, not favorite because it's sad and depressing, but I think it's one of the most powerful parts of the book. And um, I don't see a lot of adaptations uh, including that. And obviously they weren't going to do it here, but I think Muppet Christmas Carol balanced like there's a lot of humor in Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh yeah. Where and I one of the things that surprised me because you know this like there's so many fun gags and jokes and obviously Rizzo and Gonzo are just hilarious together. I guess I wasn't surprised. I was surprised that the the story was that funny too. There's a lot of jokes in the story. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of silly, and I wasn't expecting that. I was like watching it after having read it, I was like, wow, this is an even better adaptation than I could have thought. I think they did about as good a job as they could have um, writing wise because it just, it moves at such a clip. It is very funny. It is dark when it needs to be. Although uh, we, I was laughing really hard while we were all watching it last night where Bria, you were like, how is it taking him this long to guess that he's the dead guy? <laughs> right, right. How hasn't he figured it out yet? That is so true. <laughs> also, I have to say in every adaptation, but uh, particularly this one, that last ghost is scary as fuck. And when I was a kid, I used to fast forward through that last ghost because he doesn't have a face. He's, he's a ring. He looks exactly like a ring wraith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. Mallory, I made a joke on the, where I was like, what do you think this guy does the rest of the year when he's not just creeping people out on Christmas? And Mallory <laughs> said he stars in Lord of the Rings. Uh, he, he looks exactly like a ring wraith, but okay. it is like, 
it is very disconcerting because it's not it's not just like a hood hanging over him. It's just like an actual hole. For it's literally face. a hole that goes into hell. Like it's horrifying, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just made of like like old paper mache or something like, which is for some reason scary. Like that that guy is so. Horrifying, And it's funny because by that point, Scrooge is like, I get it. I get what's coming. But for some reason, he's still like, kind of like, maybe I don't get what's coming. And he's like, we, you've seen everything else has to do with you. Why do you think this doesn't have to do with you? You don't recognize your own bed curtains, dude? Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, Well, so that brings us to so why, obviously, you know, this book was written a long time ago, but we're still talking about it. Adaptations are still being made. Why? Why do we all think A Christmas Carol is so enduring as a holiday story? What do you think, Bria? Um, I, I mean, I was thinking about this a lot because, and this is something that Gretchen Raymond was talking about, how Christmas is sort of, we consider it um, um, a, a fundamentally, like, religious holiday, right? But yeah. this, as we were talking about earlier, it transcends that because it's not about God. It's not about Jesus being born. It's about, like, being a good person, so th- I think it translates to, you know, something children can understand no matter how, what religion you grew up with. Like, kind of the same as It's a Wonderful Life, which I think transcends everything as well. It's just about like, like taking, a, like both of them are about like taking stock of your life. Am I living a good life? If I'm not, how can I change? I got to change before it's too late. It's both people who are like, it's too late for me to change. And then they realize it's not too late for them to change. Um, so I think it's just something that I think it's something you can walk away with feeling positive and feeling like you can make a change in your life and maybe it makes people reflect. I don't know. What what, what do y'all think? Yeah, Adam, what are you, what are, our resident Christmas Carol expert, why are people still reading this story uh, hundreds of years later? Pushes glasses up nose. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with like this time of year is nostalgic in nature. Like it forces us, even if you're not religious at all, like the end of the year is coming up. And as Mallory, as we were joking before we started recording, like it gets dark most in most of the US, at least where we're, where we're all at, at like three o'clock in the afternoon. So you're just left sitting around thinking a lot. And I think because this story, not only does it look to the past and lets, you know, Scrooge reflects on the things that he's done in the past and also think about the present, but then he also kind of like to Bria's point, it's like moving forward, you having the ability, you know, all of us at the, the like this time of year, we're like, not only are we being nostalgic and thinking about whatever we want to think about from the past, whether it's this past year or past holidays or past family celebrations, we also, everybody around this time starts being like, oh, new year, new you, what am I going to do in the future? And it's like, it encapsulates mm-hmm. all of that while also being like, Hey, just a reminder, like to be, it's really not that hard to not be a shitty person. It's just like care about other people and like ask how they're doing. And if you can help out financially, that's great. But if you can't just like say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays to someone as you walk by, like it's all these things where it's like, here's big and small ways that you can become a good person. And it's it's something where no matter who you are, like it's it's never too late type of a thing. I don't know. It just I feel like it hits all of those those notes that no matter how long our planet lasts, I think in <laughs> December people are gonna look pa- you know look back and then also look forward at the same time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. What do you think, Mallory? I think it because we still haven't learned the fucking lesson. Like mm. it's so. I were I was joking during the the stream last night, but I'm 100 percent serious. Like, do you think Jeff Bezos has seen a Christmas Carol? <laughs> like, 
what, what's amazing to me about this is that it's the story has somehow only become more relevant every single year. Mm. And something that I really liked about it is this great balance of like, yeah, Scrooge is going around and seeing all these poor families. They're like, well, well, they, you know, they have to eat dirt, but they're still happy because they have love. But at the same time, like the moral of the story is basically like money makes everything better, which is true. Mm-hmm. It's 100 percent true. And it's so interesting to be reading it right now where, you know, We've all been quarantined for the entire year. The economy's in the tank. Everybody needs money. The, you know, the government is debating on whether or not to give us two nickels to rub together to have for the rest of the year. And it's it's so fascinating to see that there's so many um, parts of the government and so many companies out there that could easily make so many people, many people's lives easier by just giving them money. Like, you know, there's so many economists now that are like, yeah, no, trickle down doesn't work. It's just better to just give people money. Mm-hmm. And the, like, you know, you're, you're in the story, you're watching the Cratchit family and, and yes, they are happy. They do love each other, but without fucking a good healthcare plan, Tiny Tim is going to die, <laughs> you know? And Truly, that's, that's what the moral is. That's Charles. what the end is. They're like, he didn't die because Scrooge like helped him out and because yeah. he was sick. Yeah, only, it, the, only the rich get healthcare is the actual moral of the story. Yeah, well, that that's and I think Charles Dickens did such a great job of being able to balance. Like, yeah, love is the most important thing, but also money really fucking helped. And like that is as much as this is a story about changing yourself and loving each other and Christmas cheer and stuff. Everything gets better at the end when Scrooge shares his fucking money with everybody, and like Tiny Tim doesn't die, which is also one of my favorite parts of the entire Muppet Christmas Carol. Is at the end when Gonzo is like tiny tim who did not die yeah. uh, which is h- hilarious it's just it's just a lesson that we have not learned and we, we're some in some ways in more dire straits than ever like the wealth the wage gap and the wealth gap is so massive right mm-hmm. now and uh, i think this story is just more relevant in 2020 than it ever has been and i don't know i just i guess i hope that on christmas eve this year t- three creepy ghosts come and bring fly Jeff Bezos over the country and uh, maybe he wakes up Christmas morning and decides to pay all his Amazon workers three times as much as they as they get right now and give them all paid vacations and, and better health care. We'll see. You gotta get that. As soon as he sees that ghost of Christmas future, you gotta pick the creepiest one so that way he will uh, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Adam, thanks for coming on the show. Oh yeah! Thanks for having me, guys. I this is like, like I said, this was like the podcast I think I was always destined to record with you. So I, I <laughs> you thinking of me? Oh my god! I was so excited. This is this is a blast, and it's uh, Bria. Thank you for coming up with the page to screen book club. I think it's oh, a genius idea. It's been really fun to do so far. Yeah, great. Uh, so again, so yes. Well, this is coming out Christmas Eve. So if you're listening to it, the night it comes out, uh, Merry Christmas to all our glassers. And we need to come up with a name for the professional book nerds. I always just, honestly, I am so lazy. I always just call them nerds. 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 That's nerds and glassers. Nerds and glassers, thank you for, this is our last episode of the year for reading glasses. Uh, I think it's also the last episode for professional book nerds. Correct me if I'm wrong. I Uh, think we're going to do one the week after this comes out. Oh, yeah, we are. The the week after this comes out, we'll do our January 2021 uh, book preview. So you can't even relax for a minute before you start looking forward. So sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, But thank you for listening all year. Uh, Thank you for for, uh, doing this 
book club with us. It was so much fun. It, it, it was laughing and making jokes with everybody on the teleparty on Chris, uh, D- Disney Plus last night. It was amazing. Uh, yeah, as always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy and Jessica who run our Facebook group and Christy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Uh, remember, you can buy reading glasses, tote bags, and shorts at Bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. But you can also buy a lot of extremely cool professional book nerds gear in their store. We have uh, Libby sweatshirts and Libby masks, and we I wear my Libby sweatshirt constantly. It is the best sweatshirt that I own. Uh, so if you want to support Overdrive uh, and and Libby and look extremely cool and cozy doing it, you can check out that store. Uh, and if you like the show and want to get me, Adam, Jill, and Bria Christmas presents that are free and will take you less than a minute to do and you don't have to wrap them, rate and review us on iTunes. It's great for us. It's great for both shows. It makes us feel really good about ourselves. It's a wonderful way to spread some holiday cheer to your favorite book podcasters and it's really quick it's easy to do give us a five-star review you don't even have to write a review if you don't want to just rate us it'll be great uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading and happy holidays. Yay. Yeah. <laughs>